Oh, will you join me? Lord God in heaven, this morning, God, we come to you. And Lord, many of us are here for the first time. Some of us are here because uh, someone dragged us here. And God, but many are here that want to exalt you. Many are here looking for comfort, looking for strength. And God, I pray at this, this juncture in our lives as we come and, and we meet at this point in history, Lord, you brought us all here for a reason. You're not a God of confusion. You're a God who brings everything into purpose. There's a God who can use the bad for good. You can, you can change time. You can change history if you wanted to, God. But right now, you can change us where we stand today. Where we are, you could transform our hearts. You can draw us in with your spirit. When we look into your word, you can make it alive. You can make it truth. You can make it ring in our ears and in our souls. And so God, we ask for that transformation today that you would speak in a way maybe none of us have ever heard before. Maybe in a way that that one person sees that you are real. So Lord, pierce the soul this morning. Whatever it is, wherever we stand, we ask for that, that you would speak and you would be glorified. We pray this in our Savior Jesus' name. And the church says, amen. Please be seated. And thank you, Daniel, again. That was our worship leader. Yeah. Fun. You know, it's a blessing. You know, here we are at, at church. And, you know, and, and if you're new to New Life, we, we are, right now we're looking for a worship person. And it's, and it's difficult because it's like there is so much talent. And we're, we're praying to see who God would have be a part of our church. And, and he answers in ways sometimes we don't like, right? Like wait. Has anybody heard that answer from God? Yeah, we don't like that one. We don't want to wait. There was other times too, and when we go to God in prayer for, you name that thing, and he answers, but not in the way that you desire. Has that ever happened to anybody? Yeah, and it's like sometimes we're just like, we can't get a bead on God. We don't really grab hold of what he wants sometimes because we're too busy hanging on to maybe what we think is right. And I want to encourage you today, because right now what we're doing is we're, we're starting off a, a, a talk about our spiritual warfare and the, and the tools to have victory in that. Last week, Pastor Ranch shared that we are in a spiritual battle, and, and it's hard. And a lot of us, you're going, what does that look like? What is a spiritual battle? Well, it's when things come against you. And, the, and it might be your circumstances in life. Maybe you're not doing well. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you're, there's a relational problem in your life. Maybe it's the death of somebody. Maybe, maybe there's a job issue. You know, those are all things that the evil one likes to knock Christians around with. People just call that, it's just life, right? But we as Christians, we understand that there is a battle for our souls to get us to follow Jesus or to not follow Jesus. To live the way God wants us to live or live the way the world wants us to live. And so it's this battle that we are in. And I want to encourage you in this battle. I want you to look with me real quick. I'm going to go to Isaiah real quick. And Isaiah 45, verse 9, it says this. Woe to the one who quarrels with his maker. Many of us, what do we want to do? We want to argue with God. We say, God, I don't like this. I don't like what you're doing. And I, I, you, you're not very bright sometimes. Let me tell you that right off. Anybody want to say that to God? You know, we do. We get frustrated. But look what else it says. This, an earthen vessel among the vessels of earth will the clay say to the potter what are you doing or the thing you are making say he has no hands meaning hey you don't know what's up but look at this 
It says, woe to him who says to a father, what are you begetting? Or to a woman, to what are you giving birth? See, we don't know God's great plan, but we do know that he is the creator. No one else, no other being has ever created something from nothing. No other thing has done what God can do. He is not dependent on anything. That's the wonderful thing. He's God. And, and nothing can come up against him. And so the wonderful thing, if you're a Jesus follower, let me encourage you with this other verse from Isaiah 33. It says, but there the majestic one, the Lord, will be for us. Grab hold of that for us. See, a lot of us, we forget in our troubles, we forget that God is for us. Remember? Remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 8? He says, you know, for who can stand against us? You know, who, it's, I, I wrote it like this. It says, well, this is what it says. Is if God is for us, who can be against us? No one. Your God is on your side. Your God is on your side in this battle, so much so he wanted to equip you so you can enjoy victory now, so you can stand your ground, so you can live as a Christian should in a world that's coming at you. And we have to understand that where we're at, that this is a war, this is a spiritual battle. And so church, I'm gonna challenge you today to live a lifestyle of ready. You have to have a lifestyle of ready. You've gotta be prepared because whether you want to admit it or not, this is a battle. You're in a spiritual battle, and Christian, you know it. See, the world doesn't get it. They're in their own world. They're just thinking, this is just life. This is just how it goes. And, and everything we see as Christians, we understand that is things that are made to go up against us. But God is for us. But we've got to realize that we're on this war footing. Because there's some questions you might ask yourself. You know, think about war. There's, there's rationing in war. They're sacrificed at war. But not a lot of Christians want to admit that. They don't ask the questions like a, a person at war would ask. And so if you're at war with somebody, maybe you would ask like this. You would say, you say uh, well, um, what can I do to further the cause? Have you ever asked yourself that as a Christian? What can I do? Or what can I do to help victory? What, what sacrifices do I need to make to win so, so that's what someone at war thinks. So someone at, that is in peacetime, they might reflect on a different thing, you know? They might reflect on more, more of a peacetime activity of self-seeking and pleasure. And so what are they asking? They might ask themselves, is like, you know, how, how can I have more fun? How can I enjoy life a little bit more? How can I avoid the hardships and the troubles? How can I get more comfortable? What's in it for me? You see, there's a difference. There's a difference mentality. You can ask yourself, what are you asking yourself right now? See, Christian, we've got to understand that this is a war. Remember last, last week, Rance shared with you this verse, and it's in Romans chapter, or excuse me, Ephesians 6 and verse 12. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places see it's a spiritual battle but you have to understand there's spiritual things and we feel it spiritually but those spiritual forces impact the world's systems i mean look at hollywood 
Look at all the things, the, the social media, what's going on on the internet, what's going on maybe in, in Washington or at our state capitol or wherever with human trafficking. See, those spiritual forces have infiltrated and they affect humanity. That's why we see the world, it's kind of gone wacko. I mean, what was absurd seven years ago of mutilation of children is now defended which was absurd about people, how they would live, and it's like, you can do whatever you want. You can identify however you want. That was absurd just a few years ago, but now things have changed. And that is now embraced, and it's just like, what? What's so wrong with that? You see how the world has adapted so quickly. And so the question is, the Christian, are you, are you gonna adapt just as quickly? Because a lot of times, if we don't realize we're on a war foot setting, we're going to miss it, and we're going to conform to the world. Back in 1936, the Queen Mary made her maiden voyage, and here's a picture of her. She's out in Long Beach. Anybody ever see the Queen Mary in Long Beach? Ever see that? Yeah, it's a pretty cool ship. It's big. You know, and in its day, it was the creme de la creme. Now we go on these super cruises, you know, and carnival. But this was it. This was the posh. You know, it had ballrooms. It had, it had cocktail lounges. It had swimming pools. It was a beautiful ship. Dignitaries and royalty traveled on it. <coughs> you know what else? And Hollywood elites like Clark Gable and Bob Hope. I mean, if you wanted to be somebody, that is how you traveled. That was before people would cross the Atlantic on planes. They would use a ship. That's a great way to do it. And so they enjoyed the opulence of it all. They enjoyed the, the wonder of the ship. And it carried 3,000 passengers. So it's a big dog ship, right? But then something happened. It pulled into New York City in 1939, and things all changed. That ship became a warship. And they stripped her of all the opulence. They made it called a ship called the Grey Ghost. And this ship was renowned in World War II. And it could carry from 3,000 passengers up to then 14,000 it was converted to carry. And this ship would ferry soldiers from war zone to war zone so victory could be had. It knew, we, and the, the people knew that there was a wartime footing and there was no time for jet setting. It was time to sacrifice. And church, many Christians today are not living like they should. We don't realize that this is war. We want the jet setting lifestyle. We want the, the wonder of it all, but we're just lying to ourselves. We're just being make-believe. We need to embrace the reality that's upon us. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, it says, Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the, day, in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. You see, we have to be prepared. We've got to be ready because the evil day is now. The evil day is today. You go, oh, why is he talking like this? Uh, it's a beautiful day outside. Yeah, it's nuts out there. I mean, it's evil. Have you ever driven on, on the 101 lately? It's evil. I was laughing. I was just like, you know, people are just nuts. I got cut off. I almost got ran into the wall yesterday. And then, and then it was like, and these people are driving 100 miles an hour next to grandma. And sometimes that is grandma that's driving 100 miles an hour. It's crazy. I mean, people are, are kind of have lost restraint, not only in their cars, but in their lives. You know, people have lost restraint, and we have to understand that we have to be ready to resist it. 
We got to be men and women that are prepared. Because if we're not prepared, what's going to happen? You're going to get pushed around. You're going to get knocked over. You're going to give in. See, we got to do something drastic. And that's why a God who is for us says, here is some tools. Here are some tools that you can use for victory in this fight. This is what I want you to do. And so here we are. I'm going to ask you to write this one down. I want you to make your stand committed to truth. See, there's a lot of different forms of truth out there. People hold on to a truth, and then that truth doesn't meet their needs, or it doesn't pan out to be truthful and so what do they do they adapt and they change and they find a new truth and so many Christians are looking for a new truth rather than holding on to truth and we got to hold on to that you got to be committed to it you got to be holding on because we are not committed to the next hill see a lot of people that next hill that that thing that they hold on to well okay one of those we'll say climate change the climate's changing. It's been changing my whole life. They warned it was going to die 20 years ago when I was a kid, right? And it's changed again. And so there's a hill you can die on. That's what people will do. Social justice movements, that's a hill people will die on. A Christian is not to die on those hills. But sadly, many Christians will die on a hill in the church. You know, I've seen churches torn apart because the ladies want to paint the color of the bathroom differently. Yeah, you think it's silly, it's true. But then they'll go to a doctrinal thing that they don't like in the word of God. And they'll say, you know what? I don't really like what it says, so I am going to manipulate it and get some obscure version, and I'm going to say it's wrong. And so they, they, they change the truth, not holding to it. That's why Paul writes to us here. He says, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. Some people would call that the belt of truth. See that word stand firm there? It's, it, it's heste me. Heste me means make a stand. To make a stand. What do you do? It's like your Alamo. You make your stand. This is it. This is the word of God. You may not like it, but you gotta make a stand. Because if you don't, it's gonna fall apart. See the belt of truth? They say gird your loins. What does that mean? In the day of a Roman soldier, they would wear a, a, a belt around their tunic. It would actually hold their armor on, their sword up, and you know what they would do? They would take their tunic, because it came right about their knees, hard to run, hard to fight, so they loop it under their legs, tuck it up into their belt. So why? They could be ready. They could be ready for whatever comes. They don't want to wear something and then have it just flop around and fall off. They want to be ready for battle. That's what it means. We have to be prepared, and we say, this is my stand. We read very plainly in 1 Timothy, and in chapter 4, verse 1, it says, but the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will fall away from the truth, from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. See, when someone comes in into the church and they don't like an aspect of this word and they change it, that's called a doctrine of demons. They're changing the doctrine. See, Satan doesn't like the doctrine and many Christians don't like the doctrine because it's not user-friendly. Because why? It is not something that's you know, palatable. It goes against the culture. It goes against the lifestyles of people. And that hurts. And so let's change it. See, that is, is something that is a spirit that is guiding somebody that is not God. And we have to be these people ready for it. 
You ever notice somebody that's actually buying into a doctrine that goes against God's word and they call themselves a Christian? They are angry. They're angry when you bring up that one verse. And what do they do? They lash out. They get loud. They get, they get hostile. Why? Because in their spirit, they're convicted. They know they're wrong because they're living a lie and their spirit isn't at ease. Let, let me share with you a verse. Here, here, this is Jesus. So Jesus says this in John chapter eight. In verse 31 it says, so Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, meaning stay in it, you're living according to God's word, then you are my disciples, disciples of mine. And you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. See, when you know God's truth and you follow it, you're at ease. See, even when the world is hostile against you and you grab hold of that truth and you go, it's in God's plan, you, know, you don't have to shout from the mountaintops. Uh, we're, we're going through an issue at home and it's like sometimes the easiest thing is just like, you know what, you know you're right. So what do you do? When, when someone won't listen to you, you don't even need to argue. You say, I disagree with you. And you're at ease. Because why? We're at ease because we are holding to what the truth is. So how do you get to that point of following it? And so here's some three things that you can do real quick. The first one is we got, we got to let the word, you let the word uh, renew your mind. We, we talked about this. So Christian, you, you gotta get into this, this book. And you, you don't go in with your own agenda. You go into it going, okay, God, what is it? What is it that you have to say here? You know, I want you to renew it. See, everything in the culture, the worldly systems are made to manipulate. Think about this. I mean, what, are, what, is, what is TV? It's a manipulation machine. What is advertisement? Manipulation machines. They want you to grab hold of something. They want you to believe something. And so you go there and you're learning it or you could go here and you could learn it. See, the question is you have to ask yourself, what am I gonna grab hold of? What truth am I gonna take? And as a Christian, you know in your heart where truth lies. And so you wanna grab hold of that. That's why we see very plainly in Romans, in Romans chapter 12, in verse two, it says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Many people, they go to college. I went to college. And you go to college, and now you go to high school, and you go to elementary school, and what are they doing? They're transforming your mind to their agenda. See, we see it. You, you, you can't be blind to this. And so people want to transform your mind to their thinking. So I'm not saying transform your mind to my thinking. I'm going transform your mind to God's thinking. See, that's what we have to understand. See, who, who, who ever created anything out of nothing? No one. Who, who knows and can work great things in a life of somebody that the world can't do? God. And so we let the word of God transform us. And in that vein of being transformed, what you need to do is you gotta discipline yourself. See, many Christians out there aren't very disciplined. We just wanna do what we wanna do like the world. I wanna do this. I wanna do me. I wanna follow my desires. I wanna get good, good at whatever I wanna do. I do things, yeah, but there's a lot of things I don't do. I don't do things I want to do sometimes. You know? It's like we were on Bell coming back from Surprise yesterday. Pray for the people in Surprise that have to drive down Bell. It's terrible. 
I know I complain about Bell a lot, but God gave me a great sermon illustration every week when I get on that street. And, and you ride down that road, and it's just terrible. And I got caught in the, in the spring training practices, and there's buses with teams on it, and everybody's waving at the bus, the, the people on there. I'm like, is that a good team or a bad team? No one knows. But they're, they're causing traffic jams. And I wanted to go. I wanted to go so bad. And I'm, I'm sitting there, and everybody in the bus would go, and there's this, like, you know, football field of car length in front of them, and you could just go faster. And Laura just said, just own it. You know, discipline yourself. You're here. You're now. And I had to give in and say, okay, I, I'll pray for these people that they'll, that they'll get in a car accident and get off the road or something. No, but you know, the thing is, is you do. You got to discipline yourself and just say, okay, this is something I have to do because there's some things we don't want to do. Did you know a Christian has a duty to do what God wants you to do? That's not legalism. That's just who you, what you signed up for. You see, Christians are called to live a certain way. A Christian is called to follow God's direction. As we see in, in 2 Timothy, and in chapter 2, verse 4, it says, no soldier in active service entertains himself in the affairs of everyday life, so that he may, what? Please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. It doesn't say so that he can please himself. See, Christians, we got a duty. We, don't have to, we can't do everything we want to do. I mean, you can't do it anyway in the culture, but the reality is, is we are called to a different standard than the people in the world. And so what we have to do is we don't want to compromise God's word and God's truth. We don't compromise it. You know, it's, it's not out there for debate. Even if you don't like it. Let me, let me give you a little background here. See, the word of God was written, the New Testament, 2,000 years ago. Did you know your creator, your maker, the God who is for you, create for you, created this back then so it could apply directly and properly today? He's that smart. He, he made it so the word of God will fit not just the culture in Ephesus, not just the culture in, in Jerusalem, not just the culture in Corinth or in Rome, but in our lives now. That's pretty cool. See, the thing is, is we have to understand that scripture proves scripture. And so we can rest in the fact that, you know what? It's totally God-ordered. And we, we don't have to deny parts of it because there's a bias or because it's uncomfortable. Look, this is now Peter. And Peter affirms what Paul says in 2 Timothy. And Peter writes in 2 Peter, he says, very plainly, he says, but know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture, meaning the Word of God, is a matter of one's own interpretation. You see that? It's not man that says, oh, I'm just good. This is the way I see it. No. See, he goes on to say, who wrote the Word of God? He says, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but man moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Wow. So the apostles that wrote the New Testament actually affirm each other. And then you have like Luke. Well, he's affirmed by Paul. And Peter's affirmed by, P by Paul. And Paul's affirmed by Peter. See, they all give precedent of what is Scripture. 
It's a beautiful thing. And God says, you know what? This is truth. Now are you gonna be committed to it or not? That's the joy that we have to share. That's the wonder we have to share. You know, that we, we need to hold on to this wonderful strength. We gotta be committed. You know, the Queen Mary, she was committed. In World War II, she was committed to a mission. They got rid of all this, the fun stuff. They focused on the task at hand of, of shuttling men and women to war zones and the wounded back without getting injured. That was the key. And so she used her strengths. And your strength is truth. Next, we have to understand that we need to make your life reflect God's righteousness or godly righteousness. You see, if you're, if you're wanting to live the truth, you need to reflect godly righteousness. The, the world's righteousness is different than the Christian's righteousness. The world's righteousness is me first, what's good for me? See, sometimes we'll go, well, they, they serve a lot, they help a lot, they help the homeless. Yeah, why? It's because they want to feel good about what their lives are. They want to feel good about what they're doing. Their righteousness is you do you, and that's okay. I do me, that's okay. Let's not get in the way of anybody else, and let's live our lives in harmony. But oh, don't bother us, right? The Christian's righteousness is very plain. It means integrity. It means virtue. It means purity of life. It means rightness. See, those are words we don't hear too much about rightness purity i mean that's purity in your mind in your soul and in your actions as it says here in ephesians 14 6 6 14 it says and having put on the breastplate of righteousness paul uses the analogy of a breastplate why because in battle that covers the vital organs see without those things you're, you're gonna die and and that is protecting you from harm from serious injury. I, I wrote it like this. The life you lead can either fortify you or expose you to Satan's attacks. See, if you're dabbling in something that you know you shouldn't be dabbling in, you know what? Satan has an in. You're giving Satan an opportunity. You're giving the world an opportunity to get into your life. And so we gotta guard ourselves from that. Those, those things that we kind of want to do, but you know what? That's not what God has planned for me. So I, I was going, how can I help you to understand this? Because a lot of us Christians, we like to start doing the do's and the don'ts. We get into the word of God and we start checking off, thou shalt not curse, thou shalt not smoke, thou shalt not drink. You know, you start thinking all this legalism stuff. That's what the Pharisees did. They, they, they were, became self-righteous in themselves about being the teetotalers and the good people, right? So let me po pose this to you. I want you to ask yourself this question. If you're gonna walk away from this talk this morning with only one thing, I would challenge you this, is ask yourself this question. Does this, fill in the blank, bring glory to God? Does this business transaction bring glory to God? Does this attitude toward that person bring glory to God? Does this outfit bring glory? glory to God does this TV show game website post bring glory to God see that's the things we check you can even go does this food or amount of food bring glory to God see right there if you're on a diet that's going to help you 
See? It helps you in a lot of different ways. But if you're here as a Christian and your job is to bring glory to God, you, you, you start asking yourself, what am I doing? Did my attitude yesterday coming back from surprise bring glory to God? No. My wife's attitude did. Thank you. But the thing is, is so we check ourselves. And then when we realize we're at fault, we got to work on that. See, we develop ourselves, and you can. Let me encourage you here that you can live righteously. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made him who knew no sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, Christian, grab hold of this. You accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You automatically have God's righteousness, his virtue, his purity, his rightness, his, his integrity within you. That means you can live it out. You can. And so you can be a righteous person, not a self-righteous person. There's plenty of those out there, but a righteous person living according to God's way, not man's way. That's the victory of it all because who's for you? He is. And so what's he done? He's already given you the tools. You just gotta tap into that wonderful toy box of wonder. You gotta get in there and use it for your benefit. You know, the Queen Mary, what was her benefit? Her speed, she would shuttle passengers from, from Singapore all the way to Europe. Not zigzagging like the, the rest of the ships would do, but in a straight beeline for speed because that's why she was the gray ghost. They couldn't catch her. That's why she saved so many lives. She was using what, God, what man had designed her to do, to go fast. And God has designed you to be a righteous person so you can have victory. And so what else do we need to do is this, church. We need to make yourself ready with the gospel of peace. This is the big one. See, church, to make ready is ready to respond. If you're ready, you are ready to respond to anything. The gospel of peace. You see, Paul writes in, in Ephesians chapter six and verse 15, it says this, having sawed your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. See, the Roman soldiers, on their shoes, they would actually have cleats back in the day. And they sawed their feet so they could stand firm when they were coming up, when someone was coming up against them. So they weren't pushed around. When there was time for battle, they were ready to respond. Not sitting back doing this. They're not ready. They're going to get pushed back. Their feet were dug in. And church, you have the gospel of peace, and that is where we need to dig ourselves in. And I go, what is that? What is the gospel of peace? Let me, let me share a little bit with you. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says this. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, Justified, church word, means saved or made right. So you are saved and made right through Jesus. And that means you're at peace with God. What's peace? You're not in hostility towards God. Or you're not at war. You see, 
before you were, weren't at peace, before you had Jesus, you were on the opposite side of God's side. You're, thus, you're on the enemy side. Thus, you are at war with God. And you go, well, I don't have any problem with God. Well, I'm sorry, it doesn't matter. You know what, you're on the, the loser team. You're on the bad team. That's somebody that's against God. Whether you're a cook on a ship or you're a gunner, it doesn't matter. You're the person on the wrong side. And you go, that's not fair. Well, that's how we all were. But when we, we became saved, God went from being against us to being for us. And I love that. And so we can grab hold of that and understand that, hey, you know what? We have this wonderful joy. We have this joy that God is for us. And we can relax because you know why? Our eternal destination is secure. Amen, church? You don't have to worry about death anymore. You don't have to worry about the, a lot of people go, what are you gonna do when you die? Well, I'll just talk to God and show him the good things I did. Or we'll have a good conversation. No, that's not how it works. You're either on his side or not. And so a Christian kind of goes, whew, I don't have to worry about that. So when we see a, a loved one die that we know is a believer, we'll know we'll see them again. When, when we're facing death, you know what? That's just, that's just the next step of eternal life because we'll step into paradise with Jesus. See, we understand that. See, the men and women that went on the Queen Mary, they understood that it was a safer ship to go on because of her speed. Her strength was her speed. She, she would outrun everything. And so when the troops got on that, they're going, hey, this is good, this is a good place to be. So they had a peace. A Christian, we understand that the peace of God is the best place to be because we know what lies ahead and we know we can hold on to it. And the wonderful thing is it's something that the world so wants and sometimes they don't know it. And that's why we see Paul saying this. He says, how will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. See, we got good news to share. But many of us, we don't have opportunities or we're not ready for it. We're not prepared. We're not ready to respond. So I'm gonna challenge you today. I want you to know your story of what Jesus did for you personally. Christian, you gotta know it. I mean, know it. And how do you know something? Well, I put it like this. Prepare your story. Prepare it. See, you gotta write this down. I mean, I, 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 I've written my testimony is what we call it. My, my story down so I know what it's like. I don't know what God, I, I know what God did for me. But the thing is, is we can only do so much with just preparing it. What we need to do is we gotta practice it. See, no one's ever practiced. You don't really practice your story. When I, when I get ready to teach on a Sunday morning, what do I do? I, I, I practice. I go through my message. I practice it. I, I go through it. I make changes in it. And I, I, and I get prepared. And you know what happens? More times than not, it's totally different when I get up here. Yeah. But I know the high points. I know what I'm aiming for. And so I am prepared, I am prepared emotionally, I'm prepared physically, I'm, pre I'm prepared, I'm prepared spiritually, I'm prepared mentally. And so we need to do that. And then you gotta do something like what I do on Sunday mornings. You gotta present your story. That's where everybody, all the Christians will go, whoa, whoa. That's the scary part. Church, 
you got to present it. No one was ever saved without hearing the gospel. You got to hear it. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. It's a beautiful thing to bring. A lot of times people go, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. How do I get into that conversation? Pastor, or excuse me, Elder, Elder Dan, he said something wonderful to me. We were talking about this subject, and he said a great, a great line to start with is just talk with people. Ask them, what is your view on God? What's your view on God? Boy, everybody's got a view on him. It might be, might be like, I don't even believe in God. You go, really? Let me tell you, can I share with you a little bit my view on God? Nine times out of 10, they're gonna let you. And if they don't, you just go, okay, that's cool. But you, you open yourself up because we're not selling anything. That's the wonderful thing. We're not out there to get points. We're not out there for a giant Amway scam. Sorry if you like Amway, okay. Good detergent, okay. <laughs> The thing is, is we are there giving something. I put this, it is a gift that will change their world and their eternal destination. Man, can you think of a better gift than that or a more powerful gift? See, you're giving somebody opportunity and that's what we get to do. That's what we're about. But it all stems back to the beginning. You're never gonna do anything unless you change your attitude and realize that this is a war. You have to face that fact. It's vital that we get involved. You see, the Queen Mary, yeah, she shuttled troops from Singapore, Australia, to Africa, and then to Europe. She did a mighty work for the war effort in World War II. Between 1943 and 1945, she shuttled up to 340,000 soldiers to the war in Europe. She traveled over 180,000 miles in that few year span. And they equate to that ship the ser seriousness of the consequences of what it would have been like if they didn't have it. Because that ship brought soldiers fast and furiously to the battle line. Because Stalin's Red Army was pushing quickly into Eastern Europe, and they believed, the Allies believed, that, that, that Stalin's army would have gone into Western Europe, and communism would have spread like we've never seen. And it would have changed the political map, and it would have changed most of Europe. And so they equipped that she was vital for the war effort. Church, you are vital. Each of you are vital for this effort. And when you don't do your duty, when you are not stepping up and realizing that this is a battle, you are hurting the cause. We need, we need people to stand on the truth. We need righteous men and women, and we need people ready to share the gospel of God's peace so that will change the tide of this war. See, church, we're in it, and we're in it to win it, and God has given you all the tools because he's for you. He's for you, and he wants you to succeed. Will you join the effort? Will you step up to your role?
Worship team, you can come up right now. And I just challenge you to celebrate God and say, God, I want to be in this. I don't want to waste my time anymore. So let's just bow and go before God in your own way, whatever it is. If there's something on your heart, ask God for a work to be done. And I want to pray for you right now. Lord God, there are some in here that don't want any part of this. Lord, I pray that you would speak to their heart. Show them your glory and your goodness. Lord, I know there's people here that don't know you. I thank you that you brought them here. Holy Spirit, I pray that they would feel your presence and a prodding at their heart knowing they want peace. They want to hear you, God. And maybe that's you and maybe you're hearing your heart's pumping and you're just going, I know this is right. All you have to do to make peace with God is say, Jesus, save me. Save me from my sin, those things that I know aren't right, those things that I've done that aren't pure or righteous. Lord, I need your forgiveness. Save me. You ask him and he will. Scripture says that knock and the door will be opened. We say, God, come in. Lord, I pray for the Christian that is waffling on this. I pray that you would convict their heart and draw them close to you. I pray for the hurting Christian that is losing trust and faith. I pray that you would restore them. I pray, God, that we would all live for you and be men and women that honor you with our lives. We give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand with me? And we're gonna have some prayer warriors up here if you'd like to come forward now and pray.